Hill Church. I want to give a quick shout out to, oh, I hate to call names because I know I'll leave someone out, but there have been so many people this year who have just stepped up and been so helpful in enabling us to continue to have a Sunday gathering. And I think of Samantha, as I walk in the room, I smell Clorox as she is in the restrooms uh, cleaning toilets. And I know many of you who have watched the live stream faithfully now since this last summer, or actually before the summer in the spring, you would love to be here cleaning toilets along with her. And um, thank you for your faithfulness, uh, continuing to worship with us online when you can't be in here in person. Um, also, just a special shout out to the youth. Um, our youth have really stepped up. They're in the video booth um, helping with audio, video, and pro presenter every week. And I want to say thanks to you guys for um, your help. Um, Robert is up there running audio every week, mixing for us. I don't think he and Samantha have sat together for nine months during a worship service. And uh, we're grateful for you guys. Michael, thanks for all you've done. Um, it's been a crazy year for sure. But we're grateful for so many volunteers and Grateful as well for your faithfulness, for those of you who are tuning in online. Today we're looking at Luke chapter 2, and the, the sermon is, is short. But let me just be honest in asking the question, how many of you are just so familiar with this text? I, I wonder if you're like me, that maybe during uh, a Christmas either school program or church program, you even memorize part of it. You know, and it's like, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said, Fear not. You know, you've got the text memorized, right? But I wonder, and I think for most of us, while we may be overly familiar with this story, I don't think we really grasp it or understand it. I don't think we really grasp the significance and the wonder of this story. And today I want to help you with that by posing a question. When you think of Jesus, what comes to mind? What is your lingering thought when you think of God? I, mean, I actually want to stop long enough that take your phone out, pull up a note, or maybe you're taking notes and you want to scribble down on a piece of paper. I want to pause for a moment and give you time to answer this question. What is your lingering thought when you think of God? Take a moment, meditate on it. Write it down. All right, it doesn't take long because it comes to mind really quickly. What's your lingering thought when you think of God? What's the first thing that, that comes to mind? Now, I want to take you to the end of Luke, to chapter 24. I want to read you three verses. And this is the lingering thought that Jesus left with his disciples. Listen to this. This is amazing. Luke chapter 24 and verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. 
While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. The lingering thought the disciples had of Jesus, the last memory that they had with the God-man, the rescuer, the Messiah, their Savior, the last memory they had with him was his blessing. Do you get that? Like, do you see that? How powerful that is? Did you know that God... One of his greatest desires, that Jesus' desire, is to bless you. Can you believe that? The text today in Luke chapter 2 is going to help us to understand this. And so let's look at Luke chapter 2 to understand what type of blessing Jesus offers us. Let's look. I want to read again this text. Probably overly familiar passage. And I want to dig in and see the blessing that Jesus offers us. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. This story is not what you think it is. This is not a sweet story. It's not. If you think this is a sweet story, then you haven't read it in its context. It's been 400 years since the Jews had heard from God. They're desperate to be freed from Rome's heavy taxation and Rome's heavy rule. Listen, if you think that Trump or Biden or even Bernie are bad, it's nothing compared to what the Jews were experiencing. Nothing. This is not a good time to be living when When Jesus was born. Not to mention Mary is forced to travel at the worst possible time. Now ladies, I don't know. You can tell me because I I don't have experience here. But I'm guessing that the day you gave birth. You didn't ride on a donkey or walk along and have a long journey. No wonder Mary gave birth to Jesus this day, right? What a terrible time to be traveling. And if you look, look at verse 7. Have you ever wondered, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no place for them in the inn. Have you ever wondered why there was no room in the inn? All of our Christmas cantatas, we throw the room, that we throw the innkeeper under the bus. But the Bible never mentions an innkeeper. Historically, the only thing that we have to really uh, look back to is the word that's translated in is a public caravansary. Now, that was a new word for me this week. It's a, it's a crude overnight lodging place for caravans. So I've got a picture for you on the screen. I think this one is actually in Iran. But it would have been similar to what 
they would have had in Bethlehem. So there's this public lodging place, very, uh, very just plain and simple, where those who come in in caravans could stay. Now, maybe the people in Bethlehem were a heartless crowd. It's possible. Or maybe word of Mary's most unusual pregnancy had gotten around. You know how word travels in small towns. Anyone from a small town? And I'm guessing just maybe that people were talking. You know, she's pregnant. They haven't even had a proper wedding. And the audacity of them to blame it on God. I mean, can you imagine the things that would have been said about Joseph and Mary? Now, imagine that scene for just a moment. We sing about it so sweetly, but it wasn't so sweet. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Not to kill the Christmas vibe, but the scriptures, one, never mention animals. Okay? And Jesus is laid in a manger, which, by the way, is the trough where animals would slobber and snort as they ate their food. There's nothing sweet about that. It's kind of nasty. But it's all that was available. I really think the song... O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that we began our service with, I think O Come, O Come, Emmanuel gets it right. Because it was dark and it was melancholy and the verses of that song are haunting and slow and they're full of lament. And that's an awful lot what that first Christmas was like. Listen, Jesus is a blessing to us because he became Poor that we might become rich. That's my first point as we look at the blessing that Jesus offers us. Jesus became poor that we might become rich. Listen to the way that Paul says it in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, verse 9. And I just want you to meditate on this this Christmas season. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus desires to bless us and he desires to make us rich by him becoming poor. Jesus' birth is a picture of a king being born into harsh poverty. Even at his birth, the shadow of the cross hangs over him. Think about it. Nowhere to lay his head from his first breath he's laid in a manger to his last breath as he's hung naked bleeding disgraced on a cross Jesus the poorest of the poor you know at Christmas parents we will sacrifice for our kids and anybody who's a parent um, at some point in time you have sacrificed made some type of sacrifice in order to get your kids great gifts but there has never been a sacrifice as great as the sacrifice that God has offered to us through Jesus in order that we might become rich toward God. Rich in salvation. Rich in love. Look as the story continues in verses 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. If a first century reader would hear this for the first time, their response would be, Oh, how disappointing! Oh, how sad! For the baby king, not only is there the shame of the king being born in the animal's pen, in the stable, but now his announcement, the announcement of a new king who's come to reign, his announcement is being heralded by dirty, lowly shepherds. This is comical, guys. Is this a farce? It would be today like angels appearing to street people who collect tin cans for money by digging through the trash. Shepherds shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors, as as dung sweepers. They were outcasts. But look at verse 10. Do you understand what the angel is saying? The angel is literally saying, I am gospeling you. In the ancient world, A gospel was the announcement of a new government. When a new king took over a country, messengers would go throughout the land proclaiming the gospel of this new ruler. It happened in our last election on the Saturday morning after our election. Uh, A young man I had never seen before, he was college age, he walked down North Belvedere Boulevard where I lived. And I heard him on a megaphone. And he was announcing, Joe Biden is our new elected president. And I was like, what's going on? And he was randomly walking up and down streets announcing that we have a new president. He was so excited. He was heralding the news. And that's the job the angels are giving to the shepherds. Men who wouldn't even be welcome in the temple because they're unclean. They're unaccepted. Jesus became weak to rescue the weak. That's the second point I have for you in seeing the blessing Jesus desires for us. Not only did Jesus become poor that we might be rich, Jesus became weak to rescue the weak. Think about it. The angels appear to announce the king of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. And what's the sign? Surely it would be something impressive, something strong. But instead, it's so unimpressive. The long-awaited Messiah and rescuer is of all things a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, meaning it's a newborn? How weak! Every parent knows how helpless a newborn baby is. They can't walk, they can't talk, they can't turn over. For crying out loud, a newborn baby, all they can do is cry. They can't even raise their head. And that's how weak Jesus became. Lying in a, man, in a manger, an animal's feeding trough. Jesus became weak in order to rescue the weak. Listen, we all feel very weak 
this Christmas season. In different ways, we all feel very weak. COVID and physical distancing has created social distance. And the world at times feels very dark and gloomy. Hopeless even. Weary and troubled. Our holiday traditions are all upside down. Some of you are watching this live stream from home right now because you you have COVID and you're not feeling well. Um, Others are getting better. Others feel like that you can't take the risk of getting out. And then for some of you, you think it's just a loving thing to stay home. And for all of us, our holiday traditions are upside down. If you're feeling weak, then you're in the perfect place to receive Jesus. 2020 may have set us up better than any year we've lived our whole lives to be ready to need Jesus because we are weak. If you are feeling weak, then you're in the perfect place because he became weak to rescue the weak. He came as a sinless baby in order to grow into a sinless man so that he could die for our sins as the God-man who weakened himself. But don't miss this. Who weakened himself in order to powerfully defeat and destroy Satan and darkness and evil. That's what's so amazing. In his weakness, he displayed the greatest power the world has ever known. It's an upside-down kind of kingdom. Giving all of himself in order that the Father would raise him to life you know often we think that we need to get it together in order to meet Jesus the truth is that because of our sin we can't we can't get it together and the shepherds they're a symbol that remind us that Jesus accepts only the weak only those who are outcast and dirty and stinky are you worthy To come to Jesus. He doesn't accept the strong. He doesn't receive those who are righteous in their own eyes. And have it all together. Jesus became weak. Born in a stable. Laid in a manger. Unable to raise his head. Helpless. Crying out in the night. In order to rescue the weak. People like you and me. And so what does that mean for us this Christmas season? What do we do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked because the shepherds and Mary help us with that. Look at verses 15 through 21. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus became hope to the hopeless. That's the last way in which we see the blessing that Jesus offers. He became poor that we might be rich. He became weak to rescue us who are weak. And he became hope to the hopeless. 
You know, sometimes all the talk of, of joy and merriment at Christmas can make our sorrow feel even more painful. Have you ever experienced that before? I mean, normal life is hard enough. It's even harder when all the world seems to be singing and ringing bells and acting like everything is merry and bright. The pressure to feel joy can even make joy more difficult to experience. And this causes a lot of people to feel even more anxiety and even more anxiousness and to be more stressed than normal. It's why some people don't really do the holidays. It's just too difficult. But praise Jesus that he entered into our pain and he entered into our hopelessness and Christmas doesn't ignore our pain. Jesus became hope to the hopeless because that first Christmas wasn't all merry and bright. It was the opposite in many ways, at least in the moment. In fact, it was set against a backdrop of misery and disorder. Sound familiar? But look at the shepherds and look at Mary's response. And stop and ask the question, what will be your response this Christmas season? Because your response will either be like Mary and the shepherds or it will be more like Herod's. There's no in between. It will be one or the other. Look at their responses. That first Christmas, they sought out the child. The shepherds chose to believe by faith that God was up to something. Now we've just gone through the story and I hope that you better now understand that what the shepherds experienced and what they did, it was by faith. There was no reason in the world why the angels should have come and declared the message to them. They were the last people that should have heralded Jesus' birth. And what do they go and they find? A new Messiah, a rescuer? He's a baby. What great faith it took for the shepherds to go and, and to look for this child and to believe and to herald his coming. Think about it. They chose to believe by faith that God was up to something. Can you choose, will you choose to believe by faith that even in this Christmas season when it doesn't look like we would want it to look, that God is still up to something? They sought out the child by faith, the shepherds did. And when they went and spread the good news of the hope they believed would come to the hopeless. Because they believe that hope isn't found in our circumstances. They believe that hope is found in a person and his name is Jesus. Can you believe that? Listen, are you trusting in Jesus in 2021? The truth is, it's looking a little bleak. The Memphis City Council will meet tomorrow to recommend a safer at home order. I'm not sure what it means, but I'm choosing to trust Jesus. To be honest, going back to like a live stream only kind of service is the last thing I personally want to do in 2021. And I'm not sure what they'll recommend or what our response will be, but I'm trusting Jesus and believing that he is at work and that he is my hope. Not how many people are in this room listening or if I can figure out who is going to be left at the end of all of this because believe me, I've spent way too much time on that. 
or even trying to figure out if we're going to make budget or not. Those are the things that are kind of running through my mind. All those things come quickly to the forefront of my mind. And I know you're not thinking about church budget, but what are the things that you think about? What fears and anxiety do you carry with you into 2021 that you need to turn to Jesus? Jesus came to give hope to the hopeless. Maybe we can learn the most from Mary. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, I don't think it matters. Um, Mary did something that is valuable in hopeless times. If you look at verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. If you fast forward to the end of Luke chapter 2, you'll see that even as Jesus is 12 years old and they find him in the temple, again, she will treasure up all these things in her heart, verse 51 tells us. Treasuring up these things in her heart. Even Jesus' mother Mary understood that Jesus was someone to be treasured and pondered. There's something deep and wonderful about the person of Jesus. That a lifetime of meditating on him will not reach the depths of his glory and his beauty and his wonder. He offers us the deepest hope imaginable. And it comes in a blessing. He offers us himself. He came as a baby and he died as a perfect sacrifice so that we can know God and that we can live for him. Would you join me in 2021? Would you treasure Jesus above all else? Would you make it a priority that you would get to know him and that you would walk with him and that you would talk with others about what he is doing in your life? Listen, Jesus is our hope. And let me just say, I believe Jesus is our only hope. In 2021, the church is going to look very different than it looked in 2020. I don't know if you realize that or not. I talk with friends and churches are experiencing about 20% of their attendance coming back in person. Sometimes less. I have a friend, their church is about 1,100. They're averaging about 200 or less each week. When people have stayed away from church for a year, the polls are already coming in. And the results are that we haven't really missed anything. Which is a huge lesson about what we were doing before. Which honestly, for a lot of people, they were just following a routine in which they were showing up to hear good content about a good person. And then they were going on about their lives. Never once wondering what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To truly follow him. For him to be their only hope. For him to be their king. Not just their savior. For him to be their Lord. 2021 is going to take us to a much different place. I believe that God desires to do something in and through his church in this next year. I believe it so much. I'm gathering friends around me. I've got a little group of guys and we've already committed. We're going to start meeting early in the morning. We're going to start fasting and praying together and just listening to God. Because we've come to a point where we are hopeless in ourselves. We don't think that there's another strategy that we've missed out on. 
We don't think that we can work a little harder and improve things. But we've come to a point in which we believe that Jesus is our only hope. And we are, we're running hard after him in 2021. And I just want to challenge you. What would it look like in 2021 if you said, I'm going to run after Jesus harder than I run after fitness and working out and career and that new job or that new car or that new thing that I had set my hopes on? Because 2020, if there's ever a year that we should be convinced, a year will not give us hope. There's not enough hope in the things of this world. Only Jesus, the person of Jesus, is our only hope. What's your lingering thought when you think about God? What's your lingering thought when you think about God? I believe that Jesus desires to bless us. He became poor that we would be rich. He came for us who are hopeless and helpless. And I believe that God loves us with an everlasting love so much that he would send his son, his only son. I'll be honest. When I answer that question, what's my lingering thought when I think about God? It was the furthest thing from blessing. For me personally, it was that God's disappointed That I'm not enough. That I need to do more. That I need to get busy. None of those things are true. But it's what comes to mind. What would it be like in 2021 if we as a church gave up and said Jesus is our only hope. We are going to wait on him. We are going to seek him in prayer and in fasting and in seeing his spirit do something in and through our lives, in blessing us and showing his glory to the world that couldn't be accomplished on our own. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the message of Christmas. God, a message that reminds us that that Christmas is about a bleak time. It's about a hopeless time. It's about a dark time. It's about a painful time. And that God, in the painfulness of the world in which we live, we find hope in Jesus because our hope is in a person and our hope is not set on our circumstances and our hope is in a person who desires to bless us, who loves us with an everlasting love. Father, may you enable us as we meditate, as we ponder, may you enable us to treasure Jesus in 2021 more than we have ever treasured him in our life. God, may 2021 be a year in which Jesus is our only hope. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.